In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. This morning we are invited to continue to follow Jesus on his way to Jerusalem and to the the passion and the cross, the tomb, and indeed to the resurrection. Jesus is is passing through the region between Galilee and Samaria, which is not so much a place as it is a state of mind. He is in a a space between Jews and Samaritans, a, a space of ancient enmity and distrust and suspicion. And all of that enmity and distrust and suspicion become transformed into a space for gratitude. On his way, Jesus enters a village, and and there he encounters ten lepers who call to him from a distance, begging for, for healing and wholeness and for mercy. And Jesus' response is to, to send them out in order that they might show themselves to priests, in order to fulfill the law concerning the curing of leprosy. And the leopards, they obey Jesus' command. As they go, they are healed and cured of their leprosy. But one of the lepers, a Samaritan, we are told, sees that he has been cured, and in seeing, he returns to Jesus. As he goes, the Samaritan loudly praises God, and and when he finds Jesus, He falls before Jesus, prostrating himself, and gives thanks. Jesus reacts in astonishment that only one who has returned give thanks. Is is God calling right now? (laughs) Sorry. I've got two phones going off. This is good. Sorry. Usually one I can handle. Two. Um, And Jesus is astonished, right? Because only one has returned. He gives to give thanks. And his astonishment is even grows more because the one who returns is a Samaritan, the foreigner, the outsider. Jesus tells the man to rise as he's been at Jesus' feet, and he proclaims to the Samaritan that his faith has made him well or saved him. Or, as the King James Version of the Bible puts it, your faith has made you whole. Now, of course, it is deeply significant that the man who returned is a Samaritan. He is the outsider and the marginalized one who, by God's grace, grasps the significance of the gospel in ways that the insiders do not. He is another example in a long list of folks who were considered suspect, who now become objects of God's love and healing and mercy, even though the so-called insiders reject them and scorn them. Now, of course, this is deeply significant to us as the church and as members of Christ's body, for we too 
are called and empowered to reach across boundaries to share the grace of God with those deemed to be outsiders. In a time in our society where where refugees and immigrants and Muslims are demonized, we must remember that that our task as the church is to, to reach across those boundary lines created by fear and to instead embrace the other with love and with service. In a time where the depths of our society, sexism and racism, are being revealed anew, our calling is to seek and serve Christ in all persons and to love our neighbors as ourselves. This is an essential part of our task and mission as the body of Christ and as the people of God. But I want to ask us this morning to to take a step back from that, not to ignore this mission, but instead to look at what makes living into this mission truly possible. I want us to, to look at the response of this Samaritan leper, this outsider who has, I think, so much to teach us. And so let us look at what he does. First, he sees. He sees that he is healed. And perhaps he sees in a way that the other nine do not, though they too were made equally whole. He sees, and in seeing, he responds with praise for God. With this praise, he changes his direction. And when he finds Jesus He falls at Christ's feet in prostration in order to express thanksgiving and gratitude. And all of this, Jesus names as faith. Faith, not as a a possession or a thing, not as a set of beliefs, but as an action and as a response. The Samaritan sees, and because he sees, he can change his way, and he can give thanks. This this seeing of a new wholeness and this seeking to come near Christ and this sense of, of gratitude as a response to God's gracious activity, all of these sit at the very center of our lives as followers of Jesus. The 20th century liturgical theologian Dom Gregory Dix described Christians as homo eucharisticus. You know, it's not what you think. Okay. Say it with me. Homo eucharisticus. (laughs) Okay, good. Okay, that's good. Which is really just a fancy way of saying, right, that you, you hear that eucharist word in there? It's really just a fancy way of saying that as we are baptized into Christ's death and resurrection, we become in some sense a new humanity who makes sense of the world in the presence of the risen Jesus at his table. Our way of understanding reality is now to be filtered through the lens of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And our response to this understanding of reality, made known to us at this table, 
is to start with praise and with thanksgiving. At our core, then, we are to become people of gratitude because we have had the love of God made known to us in Christ, and we have been assured that nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate us from the love of God. And the words of our, of our Eucharistic prayers, we say, it is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Always and everywhere. And yet, if we're honest, we all know just how difficult that sense of gratitude can truly be. We know that at times it can seem like it is an impossibility. For indeed, we live in an age of anxiety and fear. We are, we are burdened by too many tasks and too many responsibilities. Many of us struggle to make ends meet or worry how we are to pay the bills. Many of us know loneliness and alienation as our only constant companions. We live in fear of the direction that our society is going. We, we weep for the fault lines and estrangement that exist in our politics. We, we feel powerless in the face of the exploitation, violence, and environmental degradation that grip our world. And we suffer our own tragedies of a more personal nature. We suffer from the loss of loved ones. We suffer from the loss of our health. We give up on our dreams. We know what it's like to lose hope. We know what it's like and how hard it is to give thanks. And we have to ask ourselves, what does it mean to give thanks when this is our reality? We might fairly ask, is giving thanks even possible? I believe that the answer is yes. We can and are to give thanks. For we have much to give thanks for. Because despite appearances, God has not abandoned us and will never abandon us. God sheds light in the midst of darkness. God brings reason to hope in situations that seem hopeless. God gives meaning and purpose to people who have lost a sense of meaning. God forgives. God forgives our wrongdoings and our guilt. And God brings life. God brings life out of death. And because this is so, we do not lose heart. Because this is so, we have great cause to give thanks. Because this is so, we can live as a people of thanksgiving, living lives of gratitude and abundance. One of our most 
basic tasks as Christians is simply to give thanks. And if we are to live more and more deeply into our relationship with God, then it is essential that we practice gratitude. One of the ways that we do that best, I think, is by striving to gather regularly here in order to praise and thank God and to share with God so that God might give back to us. That is indeed the Eucharistic action. We hear God's word. We give of ourselves bread and wine representing and, and money representing our lives and our abundance. And God returns that abundance to us in order to share God's life with us and to draw us into communion with God. When we celebrate the Eucharist, we are indeed practicing the great thanksgiving. And yet I'm convinced that we need to find small ways to give thanks as well. Every day, we are called to remember the ways that we are blessed and to recall those things of which we can give thanks. Perhaps we are to simply start by taking five minutes with our cup of coffee in the morning to remember and to give thanks for large things and for small But really, this gratitude is meant to bleed through into all of our moments, good and bad, so that we might greet our lives with thanks. And this greeting our lives with thanks, it takes attention and it takes intention. Like the Samaritan, we must see, and then we must turn to God and give thanks. When we give to God and manifest our gratitude and thought and word and deed, God uses this gratitude as a way to transform us. It is one of the ways that God makes us whole. Gratitude is is one of the ways that we walk in faith. And it is this faith that can make us well. It is this faith that can make us whole. Amen.